This is a Dauntless Media Collective podcast. Visit dauntless.fm for more content. Then I think she endures verbal abuse for a season and she endures perhaps being smacked one night and then she seeks help from the church. There is a pile of dead bodies behind the Mars Hill bus <laughs> and by God's grace it'll be a mountain by the time we're done. You either get on the bus or you get run over by the bus. Those are the options. There's nothing holy about writing discrimination into the law and I am tired of communities of faith being weaponized because the only time religious freedom is invoked is in the name of bigotry and discrimination. I'm tired of it. Hi, I'm Nate, producer and co-host on the Full Mutuality Podcast. Let's talk about inequality. It's everywhere. Whether it's rooted in race, gender, ability, or sexuality, there's bound to be an imbalance in power, influence, representation, and access. On our show, we want to explore areas of religion, culture, and society where justice is needed in order to bring about true mutuality. I hope you'll join us for some enlightening, fun, and at times uncomfortable conversations as we envision a world where everyone can live free from systems and structures that keep us from being truly equal. You can find us on your favorite podcast app or visit our website, fullmutuality.com, to find a list of all the platforms we're available on. Subscribe today, and we'll see you on the Full Mutuality Podcast. I regret to inform you you're on chapel probation, a podcast that takes a critical look at evangelical colleges and universities, particularly Azusa Pacific University, where I taught English for 15 years. I'm Scott Okamoto, and I'm writing a book about my experience deconstructing all the way to agnostic atheism while teaching at APU. I've been both looking forward to this episode and dreading it at the same time. I've been looking forward to presenting Sammy's story because she was another badass woman at APU, and she was a president of APASO, the Asian Pacific American Student Org. But APASO is why I've dreaded this episode. It's complicated. I was there at the beginning. A group of kids in the early 2000s started it, and they needed a faculty advisor to be an official student org. They couldn't find one in the two or three full-time Asian-American profs at APU, so they came to me, a part-time, relatively new prof in the English department. I was their last resort, but I said yes. I spent one night a week with those kids, without pay or any recognition from the school, outside of multi-ethnic programs. Joy Hoffman was the director of multi-ethnic programs, and she supported the group wholeheartedly. But the kids were pretty conservative, and they were in an impossible spot. Unlike most Asian Americans at APU who were just happy to be white adjacent, they recognized the brutal racism and ignorance around them on campus, but they did not want to appear angry or, God forbid, liberal. They wanted to educate the school about the complexities of the Asian American identity and support the Asian American students on campus. So I went to leadership meetings, I went to the weekly Apostle meetings, and I did my best to support them. We had pastors and a prof or two come speak on academic topics of race and theological debates about various churches, but we never had more than 10 or 12 people show up. And that was including the six leaders and me. 
we quickly learned that the school had zero interest in learning about the Asian American experience. We were basically invisible, even to the other non-white students and faculty. The whole thing confirmed to me that Asian Americans are not valued in evangelical spaces that aren't already uh, Asian American. That's basically what half my book is about. Apostle would go on to be a resource for the community, a safe place for Asian Americans to gather, to talk about their identities, and at the height of the multi-ethnic programs from 2006 to around 2011-ish, Apostle became known as a small player in the many big events and racial tragedies on campus. Through it all, though, I was basically dragging the Apostle kids forward into some tough conversations about identity, whether it was intra-Asian relations, interracial relationships and families, or just confronting the races and oppression that we saw around us. I brought my cool and famous friends to campus for Apostle events, which helped drive up attendance at the annual coffee houses, which were basically talent shows put on by each ethnic org. Having Keiko Agena of Gilmore Girls brought even white women to the events. The students had a heart for most of the things I was pushing for, but their Christian backgrounds had most of them hesitant to appear too liberal or radical. I saw in Sammy some of those things when I met her, that, that hesitation to get too crazy about uh, liberal things. She seemed quiet and shy, but I saw something more. Sammy had a thirst to learn, and Sammy had something to say. My name is Samantha Howell, also known as Sammy. I graduated in 2010, and my major was mathematics. I am not a Christian. I would say I'm more of a spiritual person. I don't, I guess agnostic is probably the correct term if I have to label it, but I don't really say agnostic because of the connotations. It's more of, I believe that in what I can control and what I know through my lived experience. And I, I decided not to stress about the rest. <laughs> yeah, I, I was a freshman in 2006, straight out so of high school. How would you describe freshman Sammy? Bright-eyed and bushy-tailed. <laughs> I was excited to grow my Christian faith. I was a new believer. I was saved when I was in high school, yeah. if we want to use the terms. Um, yes. Because my boyfriend at the time was an avid church goer. So I followed him to church and then accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior. Got to a point where I was like, okay, what college am I going to go to? Um, first in my family to go, so I didn't know what I was doing. And, you know, I was thinking I, I would like to be an engineer, but I don't have a lot of money. <laughs> and um, I also want to grow my Christian faith. And I looked at a lot of Christian schools and settled on APU. It was the happy medium in my Venn diagram yeah, of choices. win-win. Like yeah, to it work on my... appeared to be. Yeah, appeared to be, yes. I was very excited. Um, so freshman Sammy was in for a rude awakening. Um, but I think it was more so, not so much with faith, but with my... Um, ethnic background, socioeconomic status. Yeah, describe both of those. So I'm, I'm multiracial 
and um, but I culturally identify most with my Filipino side and one of my very first experiences in my all-girl dorm <laughs> uh, which by the way was an experience in and of itself because I've never really gotten along with other women <laughs> and uh, this was no different but we went to lunch together it was a couple rooms we all just went together to go check out cafeteria or whatever and um, one of the girls who knew of or I guess people have always looked at me have always treated me as though I'm white but not really white so um, once they find out that I'm Filipina or part they just think Asian so when we were eating I was eating some of the food with my hands that maybe other people wouldn't eat with their hands because that's like the way you eat in a lot of Filipino um, traditions. So, and uh, one of them had asked me, what, do you not know how to use chopsticks? And at the time I did not, yeah. but um, I was very confused by the question and really thrown off by it. And it's one of those things that like subconsciously I know well, I'm not safe in this this space, <laughs> but I don't know how to respond because these are new people. I'm in a new situation, survival mode. And so I kind of just, you know, shrugged it off. But <clears throat> that was that kind of kickstarted my college experience. And um, so fast forward to senior year, yeah. definitely, you know, more fiery, more in your face. I'm not just shrugging things off my shoulder anymore no you did um, not and i was i wanted to stick it to the man <laughs> so it definitely um lit a fire in me that i think was always there but it was only amplified given the um the environment that the university right. had created when there's no when you can't choose your battles you have to fight yeah. all of them it's like yeah, they come to you yeah constantly going uphill pushing a giant snowball and it just yeah. keeps breaking on you <laughs> yeah so. uh, worse than the sisyphus uh, story. yeah it's a snowball and it's a big white round <laughs> you got you got my metaphor <laughs> see what i was going for I do. Got it. Yeah. And I'm mostly white, like in the textbook term of whiteness. Sure. sure. Um, so, you know, I'm I'm also coming from that space of I've, I've always been kind of in the middle intersectionally between different groups and I've never really fit in fully, which I think, you know, parallels a lot of the Asian American experience or even sure. just new immigrants to the U.S. or Western cultures in general. But yeah definitely because um, you know as we all know as we've tried to learn in Apaso, <laughs> uh, the, the Asian American identity is not monolithic it's it's a lot yeah. of very different groups the first thing I wanted Sammy to talk about was her poem she read at the final chapel of the spring 2010 semester earlier in the year she had read a long angry grief-filled poem from multi-ethnic programs director Joe Snell's funeral, in which she praised Joe for providing the only space on campus where students of color could be seen and heard for who they were. 
But nearly 12 years later, Sammy couldn't remember exactly what her graduation poem said. She just remembered laboring over what kind of poem it should be. I, I honestly, I feel like, um, I think it was probably the last semester at APU that I just became so jaded that I was kind of like, um, I was so numb. And I, it's maybe it's not that I've actually forgotten everything, it's just that I was so numb during the experience that mm. it was like, I don't have the capacity anymore to have feelings because I've just felt so many for so long. <laughs> um, and it was like, like I said earlier, the constant uphill battle you just, after a while, it's like, and I remember when I was in MEP, or multi-ethnic programs mm -hmm. office, like writing this, and I remember Daisha being there and she was helping me. And I was like, look, this is supposed to be, you know, a senior on the way out. I'm thinking of this as like a valedictorian kind of speech, right? Like you wanna have, you wanna be real, but you also wanna be uplifting and inspire and I can't say all the things that I want to say because I knew from my senior thesis presentation that even if I say things that I want to say, if I don't say it in a way that people who don't agree with me will understand, it's going to fall on deaf ears and then I'm just going to be even more upset because I'm still misunderstood. So I had to find a way to like speak my truth which made me feel like I wasn't speaking my truth. <laughs> so it was a lot of conflicting, and I think I was just so numb. There's no way for me to really... You were just raw and honest and, and, and kind of let the school have it. Um, <laughs> but that's why I was surprised they asked me to speak after Joe yeah. Snell's funeral, because that was like a strong F you in a lot of ways. It was. Um, it was. So, and I'm surprised that I tamed it down after that because I was like, well, if that's what they want, well, this is what they're <laughs> going to get. But to be honest, it was more like, how can I, because I was being very realistic. I knew that, I remember at the end of um, my senior year, I was looking back at everything with Apostle and like, what's going to happen? And you can tell from the administration that, you know, after four years, these kids are gone. We can do what we were doing before and nobody's going to say anything. Um, yeah. And so I was kind of wrestling with that too, of like how the administration and the organ the university is an organization. They're just going to keep chugging along. But if I can find a way to try to reach the students who are actually going out into the world, maybe, just maybe, <laughs> I can find some way to make things better than they would have been. Sammy came to APU when Apostle was up and running, as well as it ever would. We had a great core of leaders, which included two black men, Ajahn and Jamari. Even though they weren't technically Asian, they were as committed to Asian American issues as any Apostle leaders. I made Sammy president of Apostle her senior year, and she used her voice and everything she had to say to make APU a better place for all marginalized people. Which is to say, she made a lot of white people pretty darn uncomfortable. We started a group called Apaso, Asian Pacific, Asian Asian Pacific American Student Association. Org. Alliance? Org. Oh, Apaso, right? <laughs> okay, Org. <laughs> Not Apasa. 
I, I taught the English. English. I know, the, I know <laughs> letters. Like the lit professor that doesn't yeah. spell. <laughs> oh, hey, whatever. It's just vowels. <laughs> what are vowels anyway? You know, <laughs> Asians, math. <laughs> so um, it was... It was a funny group because the kids were super serious and, and they didn't want to talk about anything controversial. They just wanted to be sort of, they were pro-Asian and they recognized the, the, the racism around them. But their response was, well, we have to love and educate. Um, it shifted a bit. By the time you got there, it was a little bit of prodding from me. <laughs> uh, what do you remember when you first came to Apaso? I remember Apaso being the first place that I felt safe at mm. the university. And I remember I remember two things. Um, going to the actual booth, and I think Jamari was there at the time. And I was like, why is this, is this black guy at black the Apaso? <laughs> representing the Asian club. Boy, man, that would be a red flag. If you don't, if you didn't know Jamari, <laughs> yes. that would be a huge red flag. But okay, no, uh, we'll, we'll backtrack and explain that later. But okay, so go ahead. Um, so I remember that, and I remember. I think Ryan, no, it was Randall. I think was there with him. Randall, yeah. Um, and so between the two of them, I had a good time talking. We, we hit it off and I was like, wow, I, I feel like I've finally met someone that's kind of like my people. And then the first event that I went to was just like a random get together at, I don't even know what it's called anymore. It's in Arcadia. It was a boba place. It was like the best. It was such a good time. And I finally met people that understood more of where I was coming from. I wasn't getting questions like, you don't know how to use chopsticks? Yeah. There's so many layers to that chopsticks comment. <laughs> yeah. It's like the year that you were sort of in control of Apostle. What were some of the issues that, that uh, you confronted? I wanted to tackle things head on. And in the past, I think Apostle, like you said, was more reserved or um, focused on creating a safe space for students themselves. And I wanted to take things more to the next level of really challenging the status quo and the administration. And a couple of ways that we did that were one, just celebrating the different cultures. So we had those um, kind of coffee house events where we yeah. would do like performances and um, like tinikling and people would sing or play instruments or, you know, whatever talent, read poetry kind of thing. So definitely was a part of that. Um, but also focused on bringing in speakers that would help challenge and kind of ignite the critical thinking that was needed within the API community at the university to really think, okay, more so giving us the, the weapons <laughs> so <laughs> that we could, we could formally fight these invisible 
structures that were working against us. Yeah. So one thing I always wondered, uh, I did the math, which I do do math once in a while. Uh, I think <laughs> I think Asian Americans made up like three or four percent of the population of undergrads at APU. Does that sound right? Around three or four percent? It was probably like less than one when I first started oh, as a yeah, freshman. Yeah. And then at, once I became a senior, they definitely were recruiting more in like Arcadia area. Yeah. But the the folks that they were bringing in, um, there were still class issues because yeah. it was like fourth generation Chinese yeah. American for the most part. Right. Which was very assimilated into the white Christian culture. Yeah. Um, well, that, and that's what I was going to ask you is, you know, we have this group that's all about exploring our identity and being a safe space for each other. But it felt like most of the Asian Americans that came to APU didn't want that. Um, I, had, I would I had, agree. I had, I had <laughs> a lot of Asian, not a lot, but, you know, I would have Asian American students in all my classes and almost none of them came to I APU. Apostle. I would, you know, hey, come to this thing we're having tonight, you know, and, and then, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, because they didn't need, they didn't want it. Yeah. They, they had no interest. You know, the, their feeling was, you know, they've, they've made it. I am cool with white people and um, I don't need, yeah. I don't need to be Asian. Is that what you observed as well? Yeah, it's model minority at its best. Um, yeah. It's folks that are, well, at least I'm better than that other minority. <laughs> so why should I complain? I should just be happy that I'm here. Yeah, and so I don't think it's, yeah, I don't think it's malicious intent or, you know, right. but it's uh, reality, right? Everybody's trying to survive. Mm -hmm. So I don't knock them for it, but that's why I wanted to have events that kind of had speakers bringing those questions up so that if somebody did want, was interested in learning more about these kind of dynamics, that they had the opportunity to do so, which I never did until I came to Apaso because I didn't know that it was out there. I didn't have the language for all of these things that I was feeling. Like microaggressions was probably my favorite word that I learned in college. <laughs> so. My my whole thing with the mic, like, so they, they had all these classes and training and, and all of MEP did microaggressions, microaggressions. And I'm looking around like it, at APU, it's just fucking aggressions. <laughs> it's not it's that definitely, micro. <laughs> it's, it's macro. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, I get what they're saying because you know yeah. the chops, the chopstick thing is a microaggression. You know, it wasn't an yeah. overtly like "fuck you, you're Asian." It, but <laughs> um, it was like just it, it's based in ignorance and and not necessarily malice, right? It's yeah. Um, it wasn't drawing a Confederate flag on the back of your car and driving it. Oh yeah, all through LA. Just, just talked about that. Um, yeah. So, um, when you were you in, in Apostle of the year we did the uh, the coffee house, where Tracy and my friend Narenda read a poem and we got in huge trouble, or was that after you left? Yeah, I don't remember okay. which year if I was okay. present or not, but I remember that one. Yeah. Okay. Oh, so you were there for that? I was there. Yeah. Okay. So we, you know. Early on in Apostle, I tried to get them to address issues of sexuality and LGBTQ stuff, um, but 
it never went. They they hated that. They told me I was evil for even bringing it up. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> um, but it, it became, oh, oh, were you there when we did the talk on interracial relationships and the, that group of white boys showed up thinking it was a, you know, dato Asian girl? Um, <laughs> I feel like I may have been. It's vaguely familiar. <laughs> you blocked it out. As an Asian American, as a self-identifying Asian American, did you ever have professors say stupid things that you were just like, what the hell? Um... I think the, no, not in my math class because I guess race didn't come my, up a lot. In, no, yeah. in, in my, in my major, I think it was easier to not, but in my senior thesis, I, I wrote about a sixth grade teacher that was using math to explain social issues like classism to his students. And I, my argument was that using math in a way that helps promote social awareness will help students actually retain the mathematical knowledge and also make them better, you know, holistic people because they're seeing math in real life, but they're also understanding how they fit in society. Um, How was that received? It was not received. <laughs> um, <laughs> the the we we did like a peer review, and the person who reviewed mine was um, I was very surprised because she was a pretty quiet person, but she was very adamant that your your argument doesn't have enough um, proof. There's no. Um, you know, I mean, she definitely, like a math major, she she said there's no data on this, which makes sense because there really wasn't at the time. Um, this guy was a pioneer. <laughs> so, yeah. um, but it was basically the the overarching theme in, in the critique was being, pointing out diversity just makes it, makes, divides us more. Oof. So we should I heard not. That so often. Yeah, and I was very surprised to hear that. I was really caught off guard because I believed it so fully with all of my being <laughs> that that was yeah. a a legit. Um, but you know, not the professor. It was more the students. Yeah, yeah. This is a common problem at APU and I'm assuming other evangelical schools. Depending on the professor, you can face terrible racism from your fellow students, and the professor may or may not address it. In many cases at APU, the professor even supported it, the racism. What Sammy's peer review partner was saying was completely invalid in the context of a paper like that. It's not Sammy's job to prove quintessentially that the teacher she wrote about had done peer-reviewed research to make a scientifically valid claim, he was simply sharing his views and his approaches to helping students see math as something more than just crunching numbers. And you don't need science or math to be able to see that students who find identity in a subject can and do see their successes affect other parts of their lives. In this case, a student just didn't like Sammy's premise because it assumed there were systemic injustices in society. 
To address these injustices to this student and to most of my students is seen as dividing the community. They would rather we not bring it up or just show grace and forgiveness and let it go. We'll see an example of this at the end of this episode. Stay tuned. It's a good one. That's good. Because other people I'm interviewing have horror stories from their professors. So (laughs) I think if you had had those bad professors, that might have just pushed you over the edge because the school did a number on you anyway. (laughs) Yeah, I probably would have got kicked out of a lot of classes. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Yeah. All right. So um, now that we've trampled back through our memories of APU, um, when you look back now, like how how do you dis- how would you describe either your experience or the or the school itself? I would describe my experience as um, tough but necessary. Hmm. I do think that because I was I came into the Christian faith in high school and I didn't grow up in it. It was something that I chose. I think it was easier for me to leave because it wasn't something that's been ingrained in me since I was a kid. But I also, I also think that if I hadn't gone to a Christian school and I went to a, you know, like UCSB or something like that, or Long Beach or, you know, just a regular UC UC school, then I would have gotten even stronger in my Christian faith because I would have been a small fish in a big pond. Um, I need to point out that Sammy is making the exact same point BJ made in episode two, almost word for word. But get this, we recorded this interview a few weeks before BJ's episode even aired. So Sammy had no idea he had said the same thing. It's just a very common point of view. You have to, you have to fight more for your faith. To, yeah, to... exactly. And so I think because I was, I, I still feel like I would have ended up in the same place I am now. It probably would have just taken longer because freshman Sammy was, you know, making the argument that no matter how you get pregnant, God, made the baby so you need to accept that that's god's plan and wholeheartedly not with malintent i just yeah yeah um that's how evangelicals view it right exactly it's how we're taught it does give me a lot more um i am able to be more gracious and compassionate when i hear those kind of arguments because i know that i was there before so it's a little easier for me to have those conversations now that and I'm not, not. And you're not there now. Yeah, I'm not there now. Um, so I can look back and say, I've been there. Um, I can have <laughs> debates with people because I took Greek and I have friends who took Hebrew <laughs> and um, really, really get into the nitty gritty of religion. But um I I see it more as a, a a time in my life that really it was iron sharpening iron <laughs> and so <laughs> it was hard but I came out of, out of it stronger and a better version of Sammy than I would have been otherwise. 
So it's a love-hate, I think. <laughs> Basically, what you just said is what all three other people I've interviewed said, like word for word, is if they had gone to... Cause so I went to I went to UC San Diego, you know, near, down where you live, and I think I stayed in Christianity longer because exactly that. I, I, would, yeah. I was... I was in ministry in college and it, it wasn't a Christian college. It was a kind of, it felt like it was anti-Christian. So you dug in harder and you, mm -hmm. and you fought harder for um, your faith. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So it, it kind of makes me happy and sad to hear this. <laughs> also the observation that uh, AP was like a, like a crucible for you to, to make me, cause that's a rough way to shape who you are. And yet, it, it's invaluable, right? To the, yeah. It, you got a chance to like rage against the machine in a, in a sort of a, in a small bubble, but still, it's it uh, it gave you a chance to explore your identity with with a very strong sort of wall up up you're up against, right? Yeah, but I mean, it also created that experience going through it with other people who feel the same way it's there's nothing more unifying than knowing that you didn't go through that alone yeah and so when anytime you go through something that's very difficult and potentially traumatizing <laughs> damaging um to your psyche and your self-identity you know it's going to be hard and as humans we want to survive so i think regardless of what somebody experiences, there's going to be some kind of attempt at finding a silver lining. Because if you like who you are today, and I like who I am, I have to accept the fact that, you know, that part, that section of my life has helped get me here. So Yeah, absolutely. I mean, as, as negative as I feel about my long time at APU, you were only there for four years. I had to be there for 15. <laughs> yeah, you were there much longer than I was. <laughs> <laughs> and still, like, knowing you and knowing uh, some of the other people in this podcast, I wouldn't trade it for the world. I mean, you guys mean so much to me. And the fact that we went through all that together. Um, I mean, you, you were really important to me you you helped you were part of the reason i was able to survive um watching you fight and you know angry <laughs> sammy uh, not, not taking shit was so inspiring to me to know that you know we're all we're all on the same side we're fighting the same fight and yeah yeah those bonds that's that's a lifetime there <laughs> we are bonded by, by it is experience. right it is. We've got our we've got our blood <laughs> blood handshakes. Yeah. <laughs> <from this. laughs> like, okay, we're not supposed to talk about that. That's, uh, <laughs> that's, a that's a... my bad. I forgot. I to... forgot the NDA yeah. I signed. Yeah. <laughs> the animal sacrifices. <laughs> I do. I did want to mention though. I think it's funny that like my I always think back on how the LGBT group didn't have a place to meet because they couldn't be official on campus yeah and and our apartment with like the math nerds <laughs> is where is where they found safe haven <laughs> to get started with the I, um, I forgot that was your apartment yeah and I 
I am very proud of that. There's not a lot of things that I would brag about, but I do brag about that because it made me feel like it was hard for me too. I, I struggled with, is homosexuality okay or not? Yeah. And that's that was the main reason I took Greek was to be able to read the scripture and you know Matt to Hebrew so we would go back and forth on different things and <laughs> I so is yeah I don't know how to end my thought but oh yeah <laughs> I just, yeah I just think well, that was cool did did you follow the as it became Haven and later in following the following years and now it's pretty much dead have you followed the journey or have you just sort of moved on no i heard like the the first two years or so after i left i know liz was doing a lot with it mm -hmm. but and then it was like a citrus college thing because they couldn't meet well they got kicked off they got yeah at apu out. yeah and so that's that's the extent of my okay well it became even more of a shit show because they they got what they wanted they became an official apu club Mm -hmm. And that it was effectively destroyed it. <laughs> no. Yeah. Not surprising, though. Yeah, but I, I forgot you were you were on the that first group. Where you remember how secretive we were? It was like we had to read that thing and say, you know, this stays here, and we're all gonna get kicked out if they find yeah. out. And so yeah, I didn't misremember that, right? It was we were very serious about keeping it secret. We were very very serious, and the the people that wanted to be added in to the group we had they were vetted by the entire group right before they were able to come to a meeting yeah because we didn't want them to know the location we didn't want them to know who was a member yeah it was pretty intense because we're just i mean that was the thing we want this to be a safe space and apu did not feel safe for a lot of people and no. we we took it very seriously wasn't there a meeting where we thought the RA was climbing in the bushes to like to <laughs> spy or something. Was it? Was that? Was that a th it was like it was like a RA that was known to like try and catch people drinking and stuff. Like yeah, for drinking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely. So, we we always had to hide our um our wine. <laughs> it wasn't even liquor. It was just wine. <laughs> it's it's still the devil's urine. Yeah, it's, it's, I don't even like wine, but I would drink it just to be like, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> I hate wine to this day. I'm not a wine friend. Oh, to this day. You know, I there, really like there it. was <laughs> other things to drink, you know. That <laughs> yeah. We're going to get into the history of Haven, and which was the GSA before that, uh, in future episodes with a couple of people who were uh, heavily involved. But I had forgotten that Sammy's apartment was the location chosen as sort of the last place the school would look for uh, an insidious underground group of gay and straight students to meet and plot the end of the school. It turns out this podcast is reopening old wounds in a lot of people who left evangelical colleges and universities. They buried their pain and moved on and kind of forgot about it. This is the most common remark I read and hear these days about this podcast. Most of the people I've interviewed have said they needed to drink or get high to be able to go back through all the pain they experienced. And I'm so sorry if you're listening to this and feeling like you're being dragged back through some trauma you thought you had left behind all those years ago, or maybe even recently. But I hope you hear these stories and you feel less alone. And I hope you find peace and healing through community, like the New Chapel Probation Facebook group we have going. 
Because evangelical culture is not going to seek reconciliation. Again, wait until the end of the episode. Wait, what do you drink now? Do you like to do you still drink? Um, not as much after kids. Yeah. But yeah. um I'm also just getting older and I'm constantly dehydrated, so it just doesn't <laughs> doesn't work for me. And but, I don't drink uh, it. I don't really drink anymore. I feel like I'm gonna die as I get older. It's just not good. <laughs> no, I've always been a, a whiskey fan. I know yeah. we, you and I have I had our whiskey. fair share. Yeah, uh, when, when <laughs> I interviewed Daisha, we ha- I had a glass of whiskey to sip because uh, <laughs> she wanted to drink while we were talking. Um, would, would, you, would you tell someone to go to APU? Ooh. I'd have to ask them questions first because if I'm going to put somebody in the fire... I mean, it, like I said... It really put me on a path to where I am today. Mm-hmm. But damn, what a path. Yeah. But I think it's, um, and I also feel like if there's, if it's somebody who, who would care about social justice and actually doing what the Bible says and looking out for those who have less, um, <laughs> it might be good to go to a place like APU because if the institution is the same that it's been, I hope it's better. It's but worse. <laughs> by all accounts, that's that's not yeah. that's not good. But I do feel like, um, like I said, if if somebody could benefit by going to APU because they're not going to dig in harder in their faith um, by going to. Uh, a secular school right yeah. <laughs> a normal school yeah. <laughs> um yeah i'd have to ask questions first because i don't know where they're coming from what their what their goals are yeah and if okay. i knew what the objective is i, I want to be a pastor yeah if you want to be a pastor <laughs> by all means go to apu honey you're gonna love yeah. it <laughs> so that's the thing you know it's like everybody's in their own journey and their own experience and um if it was me talking to my younger self i would probably say um you should go but be ready because <laughs> i nice. wouldn't change it right yeah no, it molded us and shaped us into who we are for sure so oh i forgot to ask chapel since this podcast is called chapel probation oh yeah were, what were were there some chapel talks that stand out to you as as bizarre or bad or um, <laughs> and, and actually were you ever on chapel probation did you always did i you? i was never on chapel probation uh, i've always been a rule follower <laughs> and um but i did get out of chapel my almost the entire senior year because I convinced my boss at Paradise Juice Cafe to say that I needed to work in the mornings so that I wouldn't have to go. Um, can they take nice. my diploma away if they know that? <laughs> Is it past the statute of limitations? I think you're good. I think you're good. Um, so yeah, I had to work I'll, I'll to pay my, the bills. Legal, yeah, I'll check with the legal uh, team here at Chapel Probation, but I think, yeah. you're, I think you're good. I paid for that diploma, APUs. You, know, you let me blood. keep it. <laughs> blood sweat and tears yeah, yeah so no i was not on probation but i did find my way out nice 
<laughs> okay, so after talking to Sammy, I went on a deep dive into the APU archives online. Uh, their chapel stuff is all over the place in several different places, depending on when you're looking for. Um, I managed to find the video of the final chapel of 2010 spring. Those last chapels of the year are typically a raucous comedy fest with lots of worship. There were professional-looking video packets and the campus pastors being all emotional. But in 2010, someone let Sammy read a poem. I was in a meeting of freshman writing profs uh, during the chapel, but Sammy had told me she was going to be on, so I had my laptop open with the live stream on. And when Sammy came on, I stopped the meeting, told everyone to shut up and watch Sammy and listen to Sammy. As she talked, they tried not to let the others see me cry as we heard Sammy say the following. And she's agreed to share something that she has written. So please welcome a person who actually knows what she's doing. Give it up for Sammy Howe. All right, Deisha. <laughs> um, I just wanted to preface this real quick. Um, this poem is dedicated to Joe Snell, um, without whom I would not have been able to make it through APU. For all of us today, let us celebrate our achievements together as one. Though I may not know you, we are all connected. Our lives are intertwined. Whether you admit it or not, my humanity is bound in yours. That is why I'm here today, living, breathing, and pushing forward so that someday we can all move toward our true purpose to be more human, to be more honest, to be genuine in who we are as individuals and appreciate groups local and global. But as I write this, I'm overwhelmed. The racial division, economic separation, systemic oppression, I'm not fake enough to play these politics, too busy saving face to see what a disgrace some have become, how they've strayed from the one most high, not knowing they've been deceived, and how that influences how they perceive me and others like me who don't fit in, that don't take your word for it, and question true intentions. Realize that since some of us have finished this race, we all have finished it. This year has come to an end. Let's not pretend that what's happened hasn't been used to mend our broken hearts, our tainted memories, and remind us of our former glories, and give us momentum to finish the race, because there's only 200 more hours until we walk across that stage. Right? Y'all better cheer for that. For those of you who have not yet finished your race, recognize that your tears hold your joy, anger, sadness, insecurities, disappointment, and laughter. And when they fell to the ground, these tears nourish the soil to grow and mature you into the beautiful, beautiful, and strong person you are today. Use your pain and struggles as a sword to cut off the lifeless branches of your life so that you may grow as strong as a redwood with deep roots and blossom like a calla lily that's beauty outshines the sunrise peeking through the clouds with the smiling rainbow beside it. If you remember nothing of what I've said, remember this, where there is life, there is hope. For in death, change is no longer possible. 
However, those still living can find hope in the effects of loss because it has not yet taken away the power of change from their hands. So let us stand together, so like-minded that our hearts beat at the same pace. Though we may go our separate ways, our love will keep us bound together and inseparable. Let us never forget what God has done to bring us to the finish line. Let's hold on to it as though our lives depended on it. Let's hold on to each other. August 2009, we will never forget. May 8th, 2010, we will always remember. A few minutes later, as the campus pastors said their closing inspirational, whatever they were, homilies, one of them stopped in the middle of his, clearly thinking of Sammy's words from just a few moments before. And he said this, we want to end uh, this morning by praying with you. But before we do, I, I, I really kind of drove in this morning saying, God, is there anything else that I should do or say? And, and I have just one little one, and it's, and it's this. Uh, APU is a place I'm excited to work at because I believe on our best days, the majority of the time, what the faculty, the staff, every single person that's here to serve you, we try to serve grace. We, we try to watch out for you. We want the best for you. We want your lives to be whole. But there have been times over this year and many other years where often we'll get an email or something or a student will come talk to me in my office. And what I was aware of this morning when I was trying to listen to God, if there was anything else I should say, I was reminded that there are moments that this place is human, that we're not perfect, that we miss stuff or we say the wrong thing or do the wrong thing. And I felt like where God stirred me before we go into a time of prayer is that I want to represent all of APU. And if you are headed home this summer or you are graduating and if anybody or anyone or as a whole APU has wronged you in the eyes of God or the kingdom, would you please forgive us? Not only do we like to give out grace, but I got to be honest, APU needs to receive your grace at moments as well. And so part of me would be excited if you could leave here forgiving and hearing me say, forgive us if we have wronged you. There's a lot to celebrate. About 80% of what I can think in my own brain is, God, you've been here. You've blessed us. We're thankful. And it's with Note that we'd like to how he acknowledged the pain the school causes. And note how he asked for forgiveness, as if this was the Christian thing to do. And note how he never apologized or extended any kind of sympathy to the people who were hurt. And I got along great with that pastor while I was there. He was a cool guy. I just think, I hope, he couldn't apologize for the school without getting into serious trouble. I hope that's why he didn't apologize. In evangelical spaces centered on whiteness, the marginalized can be asked to forgive, but the oppressors never have to say they're sorry. I want to thank Sammy for being so vulnerable and going through all this with me today. And special thanks to Shin Kawasaki and Wingo Shackelford for the amazing music today in this episode. If you were moved by this episode, please consider joining our Patreon. Uh, it'll be in the show notes. And any few dollars a month you can contribute helps out a lot. We also have a Facebook group on that for this podcast and a discord if you want to continue the conversation 
So thanks again for joining, and we'll see you next week. This episode was brought to you by Filipino Chopsticks, because we don't fucking exist. And there are no chopsticks in the fucking APU cafeteria, for God's sake.